You're listening to the Well Woman Co. Podcast, episode 24. Welcome to the Well Woman Co. Podcast, where we believe that women who count themselves worthy of being well change the world. I'm your host, Brooke Peterson, author, entrepreneur, and founder of Well Women Collaborative. My story begins by being set free in an instant from disordered eating and poor self-image for over a decade, which you can read all about in my latest book, Food Freedom, Stop Hiding and Uncover Who You're Meant to Be. I not only made peace with my body, I stepped boldly into the life God originally intended for me. Now I'm on a mission to help other women experience vibrant health as they pursue the call on their heart. Wellness begins by breaking free from disordered thinking. Sister, it's time to tune out comparison and tune into the truth about who you were created to be. If you're ready for fresh wellness perspectives, real-life tactics, and honest conversations to help you live the life you were designed for, you've come to the right place. Don't forget to listen all the way to the end for a single key takeaway to take you one step forward in your wellness journey today. Welcome to the Well Woman Co. Podcast. Women who count themselves worthy of being well change the world. Will you join us? Dr. Asharina Reem is a licensed clinical psychologist and certified perinatal mental health care provider. Her passion for perinatal mental health arose after becoming a mother herself. She recognized a limited support and education in the community regarding the care for women. This resulted in her pursuing additional education as well as creating resources for those impacted by perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. In addition to this specialty, Dr. Reem has trained in various disciplines as it pertains to the field of psychology. She's worked with those struggling with body image, eating disorders, parenting, health-related mood impairment, cognitive function, and general mental health. Dr. Reem is a wife, mother, and friend. She enjoys being connected with others, finding the humor in life, and advocating for those who struggle to find their voice. I met Asherina Reem at a conference we were both speaking at recently, and Asherina is not only a ton of fun. She's really smart. And what I love about her clinical approach is that she applies extremely practical ideas to the research in the areas of perinatal and maternal mental health, of which she will cover how to overcome mommy burnout woohoo! in today's show. And when I heard her speak, I knew I needed to have her share with the Well Woman tribe, as this is an area where every parent, let's be real, needs wisdom and support. So please shout out to Dr. Asherina Reem and my and let us know what meant most from today's episode. You can find me as always at Well Woman Co. and Dr. Reem at Psyched Mommy. That's P S Y C H E D, Psyched Mommy. As always, you can find the notes from today's episode and every episode. By the way, if you're never at a place of having a pen and paper close at hand, I basically take notes for you, ladies. So make sure to check out today's episode show notes at wellwomanco.com backslash podcast backslash episode 24 and in the link in your show notes on whatever platform you listen. Remember that's in the show notes in whatever platform you listen and 
wellwomanco.com backslash podcast backslash episode 24. Before we get into Dr. Asherina Reem's podcast, I want to share with you the review of the week. Brooke's words are so relatable and clearly come from hours of research. Take a listen. That comes from dear Aaron Mazar. And I thought that was fitting because today's episode did take hours of research, thankfully, that Dr. Reem did for us. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're essentially doing like a Well Woman Co. podcast takeover. So we're going to see how this goes over. She did an amazing job. So you're not going to hear me interacting with Dr. Reem through this interview, but she does a phenomenal job and brings you so much value. So without further ado, I'm honored to introduce to you, ladies, Dr. Asherina Reem. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Asherina Reem. Um, I am so grateful to be here today and be your guest host of the Well Woman Podcast. Thank you so much, Brooke, for allowing me to do this. So I wanted to just tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm here and what I'm going to be talking about. I am a licensed psychologist, and I also specialize in perinatal mental health. So I have kind of given my life up to researching um, matters of uh, maternal mental health or whatever you want to call it, perinatal mental health or postpartum mood disorders. So I really have been more fascinated with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders since becoming a mom. And I just love this field. So I want to talk a little bit today about being burned out as a mom, mommy burnout. We, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't heard about this. Um, so what it is, what is this burnout um, that we discuss? And then how do we improve it? Do you, I hope we all want to improve it and want to get better. So I would just ask, this is like my first rhetorical question of the day is how many of you have experienced burnout or feel like if you knew what it was, you definitely would have it because you feel so stretched in. And I think that in our culture today where we are pressured to be everything and to do everything and, um, we compare ourselves to really unrealistic expectations of what we should be like. We are increasing our opportunities and our chances to be extremely burned out because we are uh, stretching and reaching for something that isn't real. And I think that a few of you will uh, acknowledge that and relate to that. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what this whole idea or theory of burnout is. So there was a, this really large scale study that was conducted in Belgium where they, um, they studied over 1,700 parents and they wanted to figure out what burnout was and what made people have it. So they de- identified it as a specific syndrome resulting from enduring exposure to chronic parenting stress. I feel like so many of us, we hear that and we're like, chronic parenting stress up me. Like, you know, I want to raise my hand. I know that and I feel that. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what makes this come up for parents or moms. They looked at five different risk factors in this study, sociodemographic, like um, characteristics of the kid, traits that the parent might have, uh, how the parent functions, and then like a family dynamic as a whole. And what they found, they looked at each of these risk factors. And I'm just going to talk 
briefly about each of them because I think it's really important to understand what these risk factors mean. But sociodemographics, being a woman puts you at increased risk for parental burnout. Having several children, having very young kids, being a single parent, having a blended family, these all increase the risk of your, um, these are the sociodemographic, some sociodemographic factors that would increase your risk. What about those child uh, particular characteristics? So anytime a kid has a behavioral problem, maybe an emotional issue or a learning disorder, some kind of disability or chronic illness, anything that increases the demands on you as the parent, this is a risk factor. What about your own traits? So stable traits of the parent, whether they have a tendency to be maybe more anxious or depressed or doubt themselves, or um, they have these inconsistencies in their attachment, this again will increase the level of stress and increase uh, risk for problems for your kiddo. And if you feel like you had this sense of loss with parenting, so these are parenting factors. If you became a parent and you felt like, gosh, lost a lot, and I'm grieving my old life, and I feel like me and my partner are not connected, these, again, are just adding to that list of risk factors and family functioning. So how are you and your partner kind of, are you cohesive? Are you... um in a nurturing relationship where you communicate well, are you happy? Are the decisions that you're making like on the same page? Are you guys on on the same page when it comes to parenting, discipline, educational goals, all those things? And what is your home life like? Is it your chaos? Are there routines? Are you frequently agitated? Is there like a ton of noise? And I don't mean just like the typical noise that comes along with being a parent, but I'm talking about like it is unruly and no one would want to be there. So these are some of the things like in this research study, which I know everyone is so excited about research. This is what they looked into. And what they found is that your traits as a parent, whether you tend to be a bit more anxious, depressed, or doubting of yourself, the factors of how you are you having inconsistent parenting, do you feel like you really lost a whole lot, and how your family is functioning as a whole, especially that a partnership between you and your either spouse or significant other, that these are the things that were the biggest indicators of parental burnout. So if you felt like, you know, yes, I experienced all of those, this puts you at increased risk for uh, burnout. So what do you do with all of that? And I know that in a space for, in like for example, social media, we hear a lot about um, different things that we can do, and sometimes they don't seem real or actionable. They just seem so far-fetched. And I want to spend some time to talk about how you can be um, better for yourself, for your kids, for your family. And the first thing is having self-compassion. So this is not just something I've made up, like I'm telling you to be nice to yourself. This is research. So this is part of a research study that they talk about. Being kind to yourself, having self-compassion would potentially decrease parental stress. But this is just a, a really large, um, I guess you'd call it a movement by Dr. Kristen Neff. And if you haven't heard of her, go out and buy her book. 
self-compassion. She is incredible. This book is incredible. I often refer it um, as like my go-to tool for therapy patients. And the whole concept of self-compassion, there it's a three, I say like three-prong approach, or there's three tenets of uh, self-compassion. And the first is to be more kind to yourself. So we often are so critical of ourselves as moms, as parents, as women in the workforce, whatever it may be, we um, will just be so judgmental. And I always use the example of your kids. Like if they messed up, you're not walking around calling them idiots or, you know, how did you do that? You really, you know, mess this up big time. You're an idiot. You know, I hope you're not talking to them like that. But the idea is that we don't need to be talking to ourselves that way. And um, think of yourselves as somebody that you really care for or love, like it's your kid, a close friend, a relative, a family member. And think about how you would approach yourself if you were one of them and you had a shortcoming. And my, my guess is that you would be a bit more gentle and understanding rather than so judgmental and critical. So the first, like I said, the first step is being more kind. And I'll go over this a little bit more. Um, the second is having this sense of common humanity. Like we are all connected in this experience of life. You are not alone. You are not isolated in your suffering. We all suffer. It just looks different for all of us. But we want to identify ourselves as being a part of this big experience of life. And the third thing is mindfulness. And it's not just like some of the stuff you might see floating around on your Instagram feed about, you know, sitting in some beautiful space and meditating. Mindfulness is uh, an incredible, it can be a therapeutic technique. Um, it's a space and a place where we have balanced awareness and um, where we are not judging the experience. I'll talk about each of these a little bit more. I want you to leave this, um, I hope this episode, and feel like you got something out of it and you know how to take care of yourself best and you know how to combat that burnout. So the first thing I want you to know is that I want you to understand your failures without condemning them. So like if you burn dinner, I don't want you to run around and say like, gosh, I'm such a uh, fill in the blank, so whatever term you use uh, for yourself. The whole idea of self-compassion and self-kindness is that we're actively comforting ourselves and we say things like, this is really hard. I need, I need something. And how do I care for myself right now? I need to better take care of myself in this moment. So you're basically talking to yourself like a loved one that you really respect and you want to help. Um, and this is also just not my own opinion. There's benefits of self-kindness. If you didn't know this already, but when we are kind to ourselves, it releases oxytocin. And oxytocin is that feel good, that love and bonding hormone that women have an increase in, um, increase of this hormone during pregnancy. So being kind to ourselves increases these good feelings of calm, trust, safety, all of the good stuff. And when we're critical, we have a whole new response in our body and it can trigger our blood pressure to increase, our adrenaline to increase, our um, cortisol to increase. And I mean, just think about it. Like when you are self-critical, my guess is you're not feeling awesome. And what are those experiences that you're so critical with? And I think if you were to reflect right now in your mothering experience, um, how often are you kind and compassionate and giving yourself like an allowance of, you know what, it's okay. I messed that up or that wasn't what I expected it to be, but 
that. It's going to be okay. Rather than, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I even cut out for this gig? I want you to pay attention to that dialogue that you have with yourself all day long, because that's who you have to talk to, right? We live with our thoughts. And um, I think if we change the way that we speak to ourselves, we change everything. And we also teach our kids how to really um, respond to them to themselves. And if they experience a failure, how they should respond rather than, you know, berating themselves, maybe have some compassion. I really love, um, there is these questions from nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg, where he asked, you know, what am I observing? What am I feeling? What am I needing right now? And do I have a request of myself or someone else? And this is way more powerful than putting ourselves down. Because when we use a put down, we are done right there, right? We put ourselves down. There's nowhere to grow from that. When we ask these questions, what am I observing? What am I feeling? What am I needing right now? And do I have a request of myself or someone else? We are allowing ourselves to explore what's going on, but also explore what we need to do to move forward. And that is really powerful and it's really helpful. Like I going back a little bit, um, that whole idea of common humanity is I want to know that um, I'm not alone because I'm going to be honest in my own motherhood experience. I do feel like I'm alone sometimes. I feel like, gosh, I'm struggling by myself. I, you know, don't have the support that a lot of other moms have. And it's really easy to be in this us for me versus them mentality when we have social media. And I don't, I don't want to say that it's completely a terrible thing. I think it can be used for good, but I mean, how often do we um, compare our, our experience to somebody else's on social media and then think they don't know what it's like to maybe have a traveling spouse or have no family support or have no money um, or have no vacation, no break, all of those things, or have a colicky child or an ill child or whatever your experience is. So we tend to feel like for me, I'm the only one and I'm all alone, but really common humanity, that, that second step of self-compassion says that everyone suffers and it doesn't matter if we see it or we don't because social media people aren't like publishing that all day long, but everyone is suffering. Their season of suffering is different than my season of suffering. It looks different. It sounds different. And just because I don't see it, just because I don't hear it, doesn't mean that it's not happening. So I challenge you to think of that situation where you often think this isn't fair and start to write down, you know, why is that a false thought? Why is that not a valid or true thought? Because once we start getting out of that for me, we give space to everyone is in this experience of life and no one is going to get out of here without feeling a bit of suffering. And like I said, that third step of self-compassion is mindfulness. And this is just seeing the experience for what it is rather than adding our own crap. That's like the um, scientific experimentation. (laughs) How do we see things for what they are without adding whatever it is, our negative judgments to it? And this is like uh, I love the analogy of the movie theater as an example of mindfulness. So sometimes when we're at the theater, 
like say you're watching a movie and it's a thriller, you're really into it. The plot is getting heavy. You see someone's like running and someone's chasing them and you're getting tense because you're like, gosh, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden someone sneezes like three rows ahead of you and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm at the movies. This is not real. They are not in danger. They are paid actors and all is well with the world. And that's how mindfulness works. When you realize you're actually having a thought or a feeling, you are no longer lost in the storyline. You realize that this is just a thought. This is just a feeling I'm having. This is not my identity. This is not the whole storyline. So let me take a step back and just realize this is um, what's going on right now, but it's not factual or true. And I can take a step back and just be in the moment. So I don't know how um, much you love mindfulness. I don't know how much you practice mindfulness, but what I love to do is just bring my attention to the right now. So if I'm sitting down, I like to think about like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling emotionally or physically? What am I noticing in my room or my space? And I really encourage people, especially people that I meet with to um, look up different mindfulness practices. Like YouTube has a lot of great um, examples and just me finding, I always say, find someone's voice that you really like and that you can listen to for more than, you know, 10 minutes. Um, or there's a some great apps like Headspace, Calm, Aura. I'm not sponsored by any of them, but if you were to find some type of mindfulness meditations to help you really be in the moment, they're really helpful. And it allows us to not kind of get pulled away with our thoughts and our feelings. Um, so big picture and what we've been talking about, it's like, I'm going back to that research study where we talked about how um, being compassionate to ourselves is really helpful. And I went through all of those things that talk about like how we can be a, basically a better friend to ourselves. And the second thing that is really necessary is time for leisure. And I know this is hard because as a mom myself and a wife, like, and I said, I've got all these hats that I wear and I'm like, well, what am I going to do for self-care? Cause I'm clearly not doing the hashtag self-care stuff that people are doing on social media. I'm not like soaking in a bubble bath with a candle lit scene, reading a book. My self-care does not look like that. And you know, if your self-care does look like that, that's completely fine. But I always tell people what I used to do for self-care is not what I do anymore. It's not my, it's just not my reality and that's okay. And sometimes we have to get creative. Sometimes sitting outside for 10 minutes and letting the sun just be on your skin um, feels good. Sometimes saying yes to something like maybe you want to take a singing lesson once a week. I don't know. I'm throwing out an example. Or maybe just saying no. Saying no to things that you don't want to do anymore. Stop committing to things that make you feel like crap. Um, What about fueling your body with good food? Calling a friend? Listening to music? Dancing around? I am just listing off a number of things. But I want to encourage you and let you know that this self-care, how you care for yourself, does not have to look like what everyone else does. And it doesn't have to look like what you used to do, you know, years ago. It is what you need right now that you've noticed makes you feel good. And I always tell people that self-care is not just what we do, like those acts, but they are also setting boundaries with people, with your time, even with yourself and your negative thinking and saying, you know, I'm no longer going to do these things. Um, it's just so important. And I know that you're going to come up with a million barriers that says, that say, um, 
I don't have the time or the resources or the, I mean, I don't have this or that, or I don't deserve it. And I'm just here to, again, challenge you and say, if you've got 10 minutes, I mean, if you got some minutes to listen to me right now, you're doing self-care, but you've got time to do this regularly. And if you've got the time to scroll through your phone or, um, I don't know, even anything, really, you've got the time to do at least something that makes you feel better. I like to track self-care activities because I think if we're not, um, if we're not monitoring, we, if it feels good or not, we just don't know if it works. So if you were to create a list of a bunch of things, like I don't care how many you create a list of 10 activities or a um, hundred, I don't care, but just note how you feel before you do it. And then note how you feel and respond and act after and see if it actually made a difference, see if it was beneficial or helpful. Um, another thing, and like the last thing I think is really important to kind of improve that experience of burnout is having supports in place. That sounds crazy to some people. I mean, for some people, they're like, oh yeah, I've got supports everywhere. But this, this is not everyone's experience. And for me personally, I moved across the country when I was about 24. So I moved here for graduate school. I didn't really have a whole lot of friends or family. I'd left behind all of my childhood friends. And I was like, what the heck do I do now? You know, and having a, a child, going through all of these life experiences, it's really difficult when you don't feel like you have a bunch of trusted friends surrounding you. And that was something that I think I was, that's my Achilles heel. I, that was my point of like envy for other people. Like, gosh, they have so much support. So this is something that I had to be proactive with. So there, um, if you've ever read the book, Mommy Burnout by Cheryl Ziegler, it's a great book. I've actually had her on my um, Instagram before she did a, a whole live talk about Mommy Burnout. I thought it was incredible. But um, she talked about in her book, not that we are lacking um, social contact, but more so that we are experiencing social poverty. So it's not that we don't have friends. But we don't have many friends that we can confide in or feel like truly support us. These are, we have friends that you're like, hey, I know them. You're connecting with them or maybe they're, they used to be your party friends. I don't know. But they're not the kind of friends that you're like, I'm having a really hard day. Let me call this person or I need help in my home today and I need to call somebody. So there, I always um, go back to this idea that we are a society of very connected people that are lacking genuine connection. And women, we need to talk to each other. We need to talk to each other often. Research has studied this, that we are a, um, a gender of connection, connected people. We need to be connected and experiencing that those authentic relationships. So how do we do this, right? How do we connect? It's so funny. I am in my mid thirties. <laughs> I, I won't tell you how old. Um, but it's funny because you feel like as you grow older, you, how do I make friends? Where do I make friends? And I think it's so important to nurture the friendships you have, like to really catch up and connect with people and to invite them. If you have kids, get to know their friends' parents. If you think you could have a thing or two in common. Um, ask people to join you when you go to do something to take care of yourself. Find a new interest. If you feel like everyone that you've been hanging around with, like I just can't, I hate the word vibe, but we're going to use it. Um, if I don't vibe with them, maybe I need to find a new group. I need to find um, 
a new interest, or even a mom group, breastfeeding support group, exercise-related group, something with your faith system. Get to know your neighbors. I joke, but it's so important to get to know your neighbors because in those instances where you really need one, like in the moment, who better than someone that lives like in within walking distance, right? I it's a really it's a hard challenge to put yourself out there, but I think it's so beneficial and it has such a great payoff because um, you kind of create that village that we all need. And if you are the person, like I said before, has the support system. Maybe it's time that you be the support that a mom needs. Maybe you find somebody that you realize like, gosh, she doesn't really have um, a whole lot of people around her. Let me check in. Let me see what I can offer. And um, I think a great activity, a great bit of homework for you all is to find a friend, whether it's from your past or someone you've just uh, met or someone you've had kind of like a a falling, falling out with and ask her to hang out in person. And I know what we do. It's always kind of like, Hey, we should get together sometime and never do never contact each other again and never call. So don't text, don't email, get connected with the people that you know, or new people, because all these things are so important. And all of these things that I've kind of discussed are things that, I mean, not, I'm not just teaching people this stuff. It's a challenge for me we experience burnout because we feel like there's so much chaos going on. We feel like the burdens of our life far outweigh our resources. We feel isolated. In 2019, it's really easy to feel isolated, but we need that connection. We need the time to ourselves. We need um, to be kinder to ourselves, though. And I think if we practice these things, we will definitely feel some resolution. And I'm not not pretending like this episode is going to cure your experience of burnout, but I think it kind of puts you in the right space and heading in the right direction. Um, and like I said earlier, I challenge everyone this all the time. This is my favorite thing to leave people with. And that's just to ask yourself daily, how can I be a better friend to myself? Because we need to set the example. We need to um, raise the bar and place it where we want. So not only um, we do that for ourselves, but for our kids, because they're watching us and they see how we handle stress. They see how we're handling friendship and they learn from us. So I hope this piece encourages you today. And um, thank you so much for having me. I hope I helped you. I hope I answered a question for you. I hope something was encouraging. Again, thank you, and I hope to see you soon, and Brooke will let you know where to find me. All right, take care. Thank you, Dr. Reem. I'm not going to lie. I listened to this episode about three times. The information, I think we can't hear enough, especially in the season of motherhood and just being busy with life and the reminder of having compassion for ourselves. because out of that place of self-compassion, flows grace and the foundation of how we'll treat everyone else so just a reminder make sure to shout out dr reem at psyched mommy and myself at woman well woman co that's at well woman co on instagram let me know what resonated with most and as promised the number one takeaway from today's episode is this i want to encourage you to choose one self-care tactic that will make you feel good in this season of life 
and schedule it this week. So remember, what looked like self-care in a past season, perhaps without kids, will look different from what self-care looks like in this season. Maybe it's like she mentioned, sitting outside and letting the sun hit your skin for 10 minutes. Maybe it's calling a friend. It doesn't have to be something as luxurious as getting a manicure or a massage, but it certainly can be. I want you to really think about that, reflect that, perhaps make the list of those self-care things in this season and make notes like what makes you feel great, what gives you energy and what doesn't. So pick one and schedule it in this week. Let us know what that thing is because you know what? Your idea might really help someone else. So I want to encourage you if you're not part of the Well Woman Co. community, private community on Facebook, please do so. We would love to have you there and dive deeper into conversations together around topics like this. As always, tell a friend. Remember, you can screenshot or share this episodes with your friends online and social media. We really appreciate that's how others find out about this life-giving message. And if you have not, make sure you subscribe so you get the latest episodes when they release. And lastly, thank you again, Dr. Weem, for sharing your wisdom with us and your time I know it made an impact in my life. So with that being said, remember, ladies, it's women who count themselves worthy of being well. We're the ones who impact the world around us. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.